0: So hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Great Mind Drink Alike, where Mike and I invite really cool entrepreneurs, successful people, brilliant marketers, and uh, we hang out on the end of a week and we have a little drink, you know, to Ooh. cheers us, uh, you know, and um, kind of talk about life and running a successful business and, you know, just kind of our universal voyage and becoming the best version of ourselves. and strategies for success and of course have a drink because it's like we're when we record these they're live it's on friday it's late in the day and usually that's about the time when you uh you need a drink so you know as usual at if you're on with us live now and i know there's a couple different ways you could be on live on the interwebs out there facebook and linkedin and youtube and on the actual uh, live uh zoom here um but put your comments in the comment box tell us where are you right now today and what are you drinking with us and you know maybe it's water i'll look over here at the um hey say where where's auntie robin all right I, it's auntie robin you know one day i'm gonna say it's grandma robin you know but for today i'm still all right still dyeing the hair keeping the gray out all right so You know, also use that to put comments in there. Uh, Join us in this conversation. Let me know what you want to ask Steve, what you want to comment on, what do you think is cool. Make sure you find those buttons to subscribe and uh, to our podcast. That way you get notified whenever we have new episodes, right? You don't want to miss one of those. And uh, so with that, I am going to welcome today's guest, which you have already, many of you remember from last December when we kicked off the podcast, Um, it was in December and we did like great minds drink alike. And it was like four or five hours. I was completely sauced by the end of it. Um, I still have this huge bottle of prisoner that's down at the beach house behind me. That's where it was. So uh, Mr. Steve Sims, uh,
1: cheers, my friend. What are you drinking? Believe it or not, because it's only two o'clock in the afternoon here. Water. <laughs> I stu- I've i got a couple of meetings after this before I can pour the old fashions. Oh, come on. Now, you know, it would have been a lot
0: more interesting Steve Sims that showed up if you had a couple old fashions, in, you know.
1: <laughs> Look, we'll leave that for the excavated version. When you start doing them at nine o'clock after the watershed, that's when I'll be on okay
0: you, you got it Mike what are you drinking are you drinking your uh you know two buck chuck again or- yeah
1: yeah yeah no
2: I, I couldn't find anything cheaper so I made some uh, mezcal margaritas here but because I'm healthy I added strawberries oh okay so, well, yeah yeah
0: yeah it's like it's like a smoothie yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah basically so, um, <laughs> no I'm drinking this so like everyone knows I love Camus, right so I've mm-hmm. got this uh Grandarese And um, it's like a really rich petite Syrah. It's like my new favorite Camus. So if anyone wants to send me a gift, there you go. Um, Very, very cool. And um, all right. So uh, water. I thought for sure you'd show up with like a big bottle. Uh, No,
1: I've actually got to get on a motorcycle in about an hour, an hour and a half's time. So I never drink when I'm on two wheels.
0: No, no, no. hundred percent. Four wheels. Absolutely.
1: But (coughs) who cares? Yeah. Get get completely shit-faced, but never on two wheels. Remember no. that kids. Uh, yeah,
2: we're we're going to get letters. So, <laughs> there, there we go. I
0: feel an email uh, coming on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, email Karen at, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly right. All right. So, I know some of you know Steve um because of that the last interview um we did, but just really quick, I want to read read this file. Let's hope I can get through it without slurring my words, but um So do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people down to the wreck of the Titanic or closed museums in Florence, Italy for a private dinner party and then had Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they eat their pasta? Well, that's this guy right here, not Mike. (laughs) Just in case anyone was wondering, right? Okay. Um quoted as the real life wizard of Oz, which is a great title. It's, it's so fitting by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. Steve Sims is a best-selling author with Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. He is a sought-after consultant and speaker at a variety of networks, groups, and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice. They had you back a second time.
1: I can't believe it. They're supposed Uh-oh. to be smart, aren't they? <laughs>
0: It was a filing error. I, I, I never, like, I always know if I go in to speak, I'm like, if I go, because I'm going to close sales from the front, I'm like, I'm going to like wear, I'm going to get every freaking penny out because I know I'm not being invited back. <laughs> and everyone on here knows that's the truth. All right. So um, as the founder of Bluefish, one of the top personal concierge services and an expert marketer with the luxury industry, Steve has been quoted in various publications, TV, including Wall Street Journal, Forbes, London's Sunday Times, South China Morning Post, and many more. And um, as an entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word, Steve is well regarded within the luxury world for his innovation and down-to-earth personality. And it's just cute, cute little mug there, his little smile. Um, And known for his honest integrity and doing things his way, Steve creates experiences for his clients that could never that they could never have imagined possible. And just as a little side note, you know, um, Steve actually it created an experience for me, which is so crazy now that I think about it. But I first met you through Joe Polish, uh-huh. and um, you know, was in Joe's Genius Network and part of that. You know, he introduced you to all of us. And at the time, I was like this geek about ghost hunters. You remember Tad?
1: I remember that. I remember that.
0: All right. Anyway, so I was like, "Hey, get me on ghost hunters. I want to be on the show." Right and sure as shit, he made it happen, and um, it was kind of funny, because it was, we investigated Hammond Castle, so I was, I was there on the, following around the whole thing, I wasn't on camera, but the guy who runs it, his name's Jason Hawes, right, and so Pamela Isidorek and I, which is one of my client's wives, she was like a fan too, so we we go together, and we show up, and the streets blocked off on either side, you know, you can't get in, of course, I, I forget, how, like I walked in, I met with I don't know, I met the manager or something who was expecting me and she walks me in. And, um, you know, the guy, Steve, Steve Hawes, like they, she introduces me to him, shakes my hand and, and he's, he looks at me and he goes, um, and I could see, he's like, who the hell is, this? who are you? And I'm like, and I said, who I was? And I said, oh, uh, you know, this is an experience that was arranged for me by Steve Sims of the Bluefish Group and all that. And he goes, oh, okay. And so he's setting up, he's busy, comes back again, like 10, 15 minutes later, goes, now, now tell me again, who who are you again? He said, cause we don't, you know, and I, and I explained again and, and like, he goes off. Okay. Okay. He Comes back a third time. It's like, he could not get his head around this. And so I gave him your number and I'm like, you know, this is what this dude does. He makes impossible things happen. And he says, well, he really must know some something because we don't let anybody <laughs> on this set like ever. And so, you know, it was a great experience and I know you've done that for a lot of other people. Um, so um, yeah, it, what, what an experience. That was cool.
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. How how did you, like, how did you, like, how did you make that happen?
1: You you know, it's the classic. If you know people, you you get things done. Um, And great rooms, great things happen. My job has never been to care about what I look like. It's been to add value to the people that I know. The more value I can add to people that I know, and I am very, very careful with the people I know, Uh, I don't know any wasters or flakes or, you know, snowflakes or idiots. I know people that can make things happen. And the bottom line of it is, I guarantee you, I knew nobody on that show, but I knew someone who they listened to. And so as long as I've always got that leverage, I've got that seesaw effect that can tip it in my direction, I get stuff done. And as long as I can bring value to the people that I'm asking favors of, whether it be Elton John or you know Britney Spears or whatever I managed to get things done and I will be honest with you there's very few times that I don't sit there at the end of the day usually with me old-fashioned going "Cheapest, how the hell did I pull that off um (laughs) but I I seem to keep getting it done and I keep going
0: it's awesome I mean it's really amazing so um, talk a little bit about your, your journey, like because you you started out, you were, weren't you working for American Express, the American Express Black Card, and you were running their high-end concierge service, right? And then what? you started, talk a little bit about that, just so people know a little bit of your background.
1: So I'll give you the quick pre, uh, precursor to that. Uh, born and raised an Irish bricklayer in South London, uh, and I was poor. And I realized very, very early on in my life that I don't like being poor. It stinks. Yeah, it So. Does. I went out to try and find people with money to find out, Hey, how come you've got money? And I've not, I ended up, um, losing loads of jobs, you know, trying to get the wrong things done. Ended up being a doorman, ended up getting people into parties backstage, you know, where they shouldn't be. I ended up doing it. And I started this concierge firm, um, didn't expect it to be anything. And then all of a sudden started working for Lehman brothers back do you remember those guys, Lehman brothers, um, I worked for uh, Daria Hedge, which was a a Swiss bank, UBS, Coots Coots Bank, and I ended up working for American Express, and they ended up using us for what was the company, Luxury Lifestyle Services, out of Switzerland, which was the concierge to the Centurion card. Um, Then I got approached by Bank of America, and they said, hey, we want you to run our program and actually have a Bluefish credit card. This upset American Express. And they said, if you take that contract, you lose ours. And I said, well, if you're willing to accept and tell everyone that, you know, Centurion is actually us, I'll stay with you. And guess what? They said no. So we were like, fine, goodbye. So um, I ended up just continuing it. I had a credit card magazine and it just grew. And without any marketing, and for many years without even a website, uh, it grew to work with. At its peak, 93 clients. Now, a lot of people are like, how can you survive with 93 clients? Well, when two-thirds of them are billionaires, <laughs> you can survive very well indeed.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, that's probably every billionaire in the world. Like, how, Mike, how many billionaires are there out there in the world?
1: It, well, it wasn't far short, I'll tell you. We we used to look at the Forbes rich list, uh, and we used to look at the uh, the London Times, Rich list and believe it or not, and I won't say where because it still happens today, there is a party every year when the 100 richest people come out all right in London, in the I think it's in the London Times or the Sunday Times, and there's a party and you're only allowed in that party as an honorary guest if you have more money than people on the list but are not on the list and and they have this private party. For those people
0: now, is that you
1: organize that? No, I just used to get invited every year. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, who runs that? Maybe I, I gotta get them on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: that, that I, I'm not sure because, yeah, that, that's a very secret. It's in Mayfair every single year.
0: Okay, all right, Mike, get on that. All right, you know, you oh, yeah. a, no problem. social media. Well, you know, we we have all IT people. We should be able to hack into that database somewhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know I don't need an invite. I'm just gonna hack myself in and change. Just
1: hacking, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't need all that. Um, okay, so then, so you started, so you did the bluefish, and then, um, so you, so you had 90, 93 clients. Is, and that was that was it,
1: right? But then, yeah, we, we did some other stuff for for you know some other folks, but our main our main criteria was to look after the original what Bluefish stood for, which was basically, and we used to joke, but our goal was to make you have more interesting cocktail stories. That's that was our pitch. That was our that was our complete elevator pitch. We give you better cocktail stories. Um yeah. and we ended up working for 93 of them.
0: Yeah. Wow. So but then when you but when you when, when you got introduced to like Joe Polish's group, that had to expand, right? I mean it
1: expanded was- a lot. It expanded a lot. Um and we ended up getting into, we ended up getting into other areas where, you know, can you get us front seats at, you know, this concert or can you get us backstage? And I won't say it got us more into the mass market because none of that's really, you know, getting backstage tickets to meet, you know, your favorite idol or something like that. That's not exactly something you just Google. Um, but it became more mainstream stuff. So at that point in time, we kind of felt as though we had two businesses. We had a luxury lifestyle business and then we had our concierge which really was the original Bluefish and what it stood for yeah so yeah we we it kind of grew bigger on the luxury lifestyle side
0: yeah yeah i was gonna say because we we even bought like a couple like you know because we give big checks on stage yeah. to the Bluefish, fish like because it you know you can make cool shit happen and whatnot yeah
1: yeah and we had that so we had we i don't know we probably had about five or six hundred in that division but, yeah. um, you know, what would happen was we'd end up doing a really cool party for like one group and it'd be a, a budget of $20,000. And then we'd have like one of our original 93 contact us and they go, hey, I'm going away for a weekend. I don't want to spend a lot. So my budget's half a mil, you know, so you, you had these two kind of conversations going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So t- talk a little bit about like getting through the door. Maybe I know in your in your book, uh, Bluefish, you talk about the password and, you know people want to get into places they can't so talk a little bit I mean it, it seems kind of like crazy like you know how do you go from a bricklayer I mean yeah I mean you were doing the concierge services but like how do you start that like because you you're not afraid to approach people you know the people listening to this are entrepreneurs so let me give a frame of what what I'm asking because they're entrepreneurs and they want to get indoors they want to get indoors for CEOs of you know big companies in their area key part, strategic partners you know and I would think it seems to me like if they could become the go-to person in their area like whatever their area is where maybe it's Chicago maybe it's Nashville maybe it's just you know Hattiesburg Mississippi or or in a niche then you know it's like you, you become the go-to person so talk a little bit about that
1: Mike do you want to play a game with me sure all right, so I'm having a barbecue this weekend and I say to you, hey, it's on Sunday. Do you want to come to my barbecue? And you're a smart man, why wouldn't you? It's me. And you go, yeah, I want to come to your barbecue. What's the first question you asked me? What time? What should I bring? What time? Okay, so your first question was what time? Selfish question, it's a piece of information you need to know. Second question benefited me. And it was in that order. I'm going to be honest and tell you, I'm surprised you got it so fast. I picked on you and not Robin because 90% of women, 99% of women turn around and go, what can I bring? The guys are always like, what should I wear? Who's going to be there? Can I bring a mate? Um, Can I take photographs? What's the address? All that kind of stuff that we would tell you, but they ask. You see, in today's society, we know you want something. The fact that I phone you up at midnight, you can be guaranteed before you pick that phone up, you see it's me on the caller ID, you know I want something. We have low tolerance to put up with what that is. So today we have to focus on, hey, now that I've got you, what can I bring to your party? What can I bring to your conversation? So if you want to be the big person in Chicago, find out what people in Chicago need. If you're trying to work into real estate and you're trying to get into real estate deals, what do people selling that real estate need? Do they support a charity? Do they have kids? Do their kids go to a school? All of that shit you can find on Google. You don't have to be a genius. You can literally find out anything you need on this thing now. Find out what's important to them and turn up with it. Hey, Mike, I wanted to talk to you about something. But before I get into that, I hear you've got a book, a podcast. You're doing a show. You're doing exposure on a new you know, product you've got coming out. I wanted to talk about that because I may be able to help you. Would that help you? Absolutely. And get invested in the solution because then how do they get what they want? Oh, we have to go back to the beginning. You mentioned you needed something, Steve. What is that? You know, so in today's society, don't overcomplicate it, but go basic and think, what can I bring to the party? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, but I think the other thing you're really, and you talk about in your book. So like you guys, if you haven't gotten the book, get the book. I think it's like free. There's an audible version that's free on Amazon, right? Yeah. Um, I
1: think you, yeah. If you sign up for something, you get it free and it's actually me that says it. So if you're having trouble understanding me now, then you, <laughs> you, you're basically fucked with the audio version of the book. But you know, if you could put up with me, I do the book.
0: No, I, I love that. I love that the author when the author reads the book. I much prefer that over even if it's imperfect and everything else, rather than some person, right? Yeah. You know, you even, um, but I think it's there's a you haven't an, and I think that's even you got a new book coming out, Go for Stupid. And I think I think a lot of your life is, yeah, exactly. I think um, and we'll have to help you promote that when you when you like it's in it's coming out in October. Maybe October we
1: could, the 18th, yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe we could squeeze you in it. I don't know, Producers Club, we're having a big thing, we're at High Point University with Needle Cobain, I know you know Nito, I think you, you know Nito, don't you, Needle Cobain? Yeah. All right, so um, anyway, but, but you, you're unafraid to connect with people, like, you know, so talk a little bit about, I mean, where does that come from? Is it just because you're a bricklayer and you don't give a flying fuck, or is it because you, you overcame it? Like, talk about, like, how you're, you're fearless in approaching people and talking to them.
1: So I'll, I'll answer it with a with a little story. We had a dinner party when we first landed over here in Los Angeles, and we invited some friends over to the party. And at the party, there were two of the actors that were just starting in the new Marvel movies, okay? And one of them, while we were all getting a bit sloshed around this table, and it was about 12 of us at the table, and I have to admit, I, I was kind of a bit proud of myself. I had this Hollywood table with these actors, and I'm thinking, this isn't bad for a bricklay. You know, wish me old pops was around to see this shit. And one of the guys that was uh, one of the characters from Marvel turned around and said, hey, you know, we're going to be superheroes. We're going on. There's like all of these other films that are going to be. This was right at the beginning of the whole Marvel kind of explosion. And they turned around and they said, if you were a superhero, what's your superpower? And they went around the table to ask everyone, what's your superpower? Now, when you're confronted with a table like that, you want to be able to turn around and go, oh, I want to be able to flick my wrist and remove poverty. Or I want to be able to, you know, dash my eyes and there's, there's water in Africa that everyone can drink. Where seriously, deep down, every man in a planet wants to simply say, I want the superpower of X-ray vision. I want to be able to see through women. But no guy's gonna say it, but we all know that's what you want. So I'm trying to think of a really smart one before it gets to me. And I'm kind of like, shit, what do I say? Well, I remember I had one that I think was to do with pain or poverty. And one of the other bastards came up with it. And I'm like, shit, you know, what can I? And I was really trying to think of something that kind of made me sound smarter than I was. And after drinking, that's really hard. It gets to me and they're like, Sims, superpower. And I'm like, oh, let me think about it. And I was still trying to grab a second. And my wife turns around and she's like, babe, I can help you out. There's nothing better than your wife saying what your superpower is. So I'm like, <laughs> honey, go ahead. What is it? And she turned around. and she went, he's ignorant. <laughs> and that was it. And I'm like. He's ignorant. Yeah. And I'm like, damn. And you could just feel. For a start, I thought to myself, I'm getting divorced. <laughs> and you just felt the entire temperature of the table change. She sensed it. Because she turned around and she went, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, hang on a minute. She said, you've all known Steve for years. How many times has he pulled off something with the Pope or Richard Branson or someone like that? And you sat there going, how the bloody hell did he pull that off? And he pulled it off because quite simply, he was ignorant to it going any other way than the way he visioned it. He's not got super confidence. He just doesn't care if anyone's laughing at him. He's not overly articulate. We all know that but he's got a vision and a purpose and he moves with that purpose and it's powerful. He's ignorant to it going any other way than he can see. And I remember when I was, and I'm still with her, thank God. Um, (laughs) But I remember many, many years ago when, again, I didn't have money, but I was aggravated. I was in a pub with my buddies and we'd all turned up on these shit heap motorcycles. So we're all in this pub holding on to a crash helmet. As we walked in, there was a guy there that in the village owned the local gas station and the local supermarket. Now, do you remember when you're young and you see someone who's got a new car, you think that they are the richest person you've ever met in your life? And this guy was basically Elon Musk and Richard Branson all wrapped up. He was the local heartthrob. He always had the girls. He had the convertible. And everyone wanted to be this guy. And this was the first time I ever saw him. So one of the guys was, oh, that's him. So I went, oh. So I walked up to speak to him because I knew what my two clowns were like. They were poor and we were going to be arguing over who bought the beer. So I knew how that conversation was going to go. <laughs> Let's see how this one's going to go. So I just went up there and I went, hey, how you doing? You don't know me. I'm Steve Sims." And he turned around. And I remember this. And he went, well, I'm just about to get a beer. You're here. You're in my way. So do you want a beer? And I'm thinking, score. I've already <laughs> got a free beer out of this. And I turned around to my mates to make sure that they got a free beer as well. You know, you look after your mates. When I turned around, I saw they were on the other side of the pub, leaning up against the wall. No beer, just leaning up against the wall, watching me do my thing. And I suddenly, I suddenly saw it there and then. There are people that are so scared they won't move. And then there are some, some people that are so scared of where they currently are, will do anything to get out of it. Now, I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to grow up poor. I didn't want to grow up stupid and and ignorant to what was possible. And that propelled me forward. Mm -hmm. But to them, it stuck them in sand. And I realized on that day how different I was to my mates. Mm -hmm. Sadly, never spoke to those two guys ever again because I realized I can't go to this side of the room if I hang over there with those
0: yeah yeah it's sad you know because you're right there's the as you go as you grow as a person you know a lot of the people that you used to be friends with you would work with you you know clients you know you start to hang with a a different group you know and it's you know and it's it's not you know it's not that you don't care about those people and you know whatnot it's just that the the conversations they have the things they care about they're just you, you just find yourself at odds you know so um yeah yeah but uh so like so if somebody okay so let's say somebody on this podcast Mike was downtown Nashville and he sees Reba McIntyre at the bar I don't know like what <laughs> how would you coach him to go up and talk to her or anybody you know just somebody he sees somebody famous Elon Musk is standing there like what would you I mean obviously you would approach but what would you, what would you say do you have like a All shtick right. or do you just kind of say whatever comes
1: to mind. I don't have a shtick, but I do have a structure, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do, you see Viva McIntyre and you want to have a conversation with her, okay? First thing you should do, pull out this little fella, Google, look at the pictures, and see if you can find any abstract fact about her. Maybe she was in a magazine where she spoke about how she collected vintage chairs. Or maybe you found an article that she was a very uh, keen home gardener. You know, something abstract. I always try to find the abstract thing. They're not looking for a kidio on their greatest hits. The worst thing you can do to any kind of celebrity is go up to them and go, oh, we saw this movie. I saw that one. I love this one. I knew a great in that movie. They know what fucking movie they were in. They don't need you to recite it to them. So when you want to go up to them, find that kind of little point Okay. And then you do this. And this is very important. You walk to them with purpose. They're going to clock you. They're going to see you coming. And Robin, you've been around enough people. We both have. You're going to, you're going to be able to agree with this. When someone's famous, they know they're famous. And you starting to walk at them, especially you, a hot redhead, you're coming at them and they're like, what does she want? You know? That's what they're thinking. Every celebrity in the planet, as you start coming at them, they're like, okay, here we go. What are they after? A do they want a -a Whippikidia, my greatest hits? Do they want a selfie? Do they want me to endorse that product? Do they want me to write the forward of that book? Do they want me to be on that podcast? This is all going through their head. And what does that do to anybody? It stiffens them up, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. And how hard? Yeah.
1: How many times have you been next to someone of profile, okay? And this doesn't have to be Elon Musk. It could be the head of the PTA. It could be someone that's big in your local town surroundings, you know, some big wig in their own little sandpit. But what happens is as you come forward and they start doing that, they get on guard. And how many times do you get people turn around and go, my God, I tried to talk to them, but they were so off. They were so, you know, un They wouldn't even talk to me. Oh, my God, that rude. No, you've just put them on guard. So this is what you do. That you, understanding the Reva McIntyre, your local head of the PTA, your local hotshot, whoever it is, when you start walking towards them, you're going to put them on guard. It's your fault that they're now asking all of these questions. So you do this. Hey, how are you doing? My name is Steve Sims. I'm sorry for coming over here. You don't know me. That's what you do. It relaxes them. How many times, Robin, has someone come up to you and spoke to you and, you know, you're kind of like, hang on, do I know you? Have we met at a party? Are you a friend of a friend? I don't want to upset this person, but do I know you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much is it of a relief when they go, hey, Robin, I heard you on your show. You don't know me, but I love your show. Mm-hmm. Does that not relax you? Yeah. So that's the first thing you do, and then you follow it with the barbecue. Hey, Revo, I I saw that you—I saw an article once, and you collect vintage chairs. Love vintage chairs. What got you in the vintage chairs? And And Mike collects vintage chairs. It just so happens he's sitting on one. We could
2: talk for hours. Yeah.
1: So that's that's the point. You use your. And I've done this so many times. When I got true story, it was in blue fishing. Um, When I got my deal with Sir Elton John's Oscar party, I found out that one of the heads of the board that put the party together collected shoes. And what he would do was he would travel around Europe, find these pieces of leather and then send them to his favorite cobbler who would make shoes out of them. Okay, and he was known for this fetish of trying to find this burnished leather and different kinds of skins to have shoes made out of them. So when I walked up to the bar, because I saw him there and I wanted to hit him up for this contract, I stood at the bar and, of course, he looked around at me. I'm 240 pound of ugly. When I'm stood next to you, you know I'm stood next to you. <laughs> and he looks at me a bit sidewards and can like carries on ordering his drink. And I literally just turned around and went, freaking hell, man, I absolutely love your shoes. <laughs> that was it. He's like, you do? I'm like, what color are they? I said, you know, I'm, I'm checking them out. And they're like, every time they Holy oh, shit, I had this leather and I went, up. he was gone. I didn't get a word in for about 10, 15 minutes. Didn't have to. I had ignited the touch paper, just stepped back and let him get on with it. And yeah. when I put it in the book, he actually contacted me and he went, that was me. You did that to me, didn't you? And I said to him at the time, I said, look, I wanted a relationship with you so much. I wasn't willing to take it to chance.
0: No, oh, good answer. Is nice. that okay? No, oh, I love that. That's and great. he turned
1: around and he went, that's great. And then I heard from a friend of mine that I'd made that's in his circle saying that he was in a party going, Yeah, that was me in the book, and starts promoting that story about it. So, first of all, move with purpose. If you move at someone kind of like jittery and your eyes are all down and you're all down, never. And Robin, you'll know this. How many times do you see people meeting their idol? What's the first thing they do? They bow. You know, if you watch the Oscars, and you see the fans and they're calling the celebrities to come over and sign something. As the celebrity come over, watch their body. Their body will literally hand them the stuff and they will bow subserviently and subconsciously. We bow to people that we think are bigger than us. You can't meet someone on a level playing field. If the first thing you do is bow to them. So chest out, your shoulders back, head up, move with purpose, Hey, Robin, it's great to meet you. My name's Steve Sims. You don't know me, but I did see that podcast you were doing. That is fantastic. I've got a way that I could actually help distribute it for you more. Would that be of interest to you? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: You
1: suddenly get into the barbecue as fast as you can.
0: Yeah. So so Mike, you know, usually what Mike goes up to someone in the bar, I've seen him do this. It's actually kind of clever. And he like he goes, he comes up and says, hey, could, could you look at my back? I feel like there's like a bug crawling on my back. Like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Smooth. Try
0: that, Mike. Yep. I don't know if it would work.
2: I'm just uh, no, no, Robin. My line is, "Hey, are you going to be walking home alone later?"
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Have you parked your car somewhere dark? Yeah. 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 Classic exactly. line. Yep.
0: Now, it's like, here's the thing. So, if I was a woman, okay, this is going. I'm drinking. I could go up to her and say, "I hate to bother you. Wouldn't happen to have any kind of, you know, tampon or anything?" Like, I might ask like a personal thing, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just thinking if Mike went up to some I can see this happening with Reva McIntyre.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how to transition into chairs from tampons, but we'll figure it out.
1: There's a challenge. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. man, shit. I don't know. Um, no, but I think you're right. I think that, um, you know, you just have to be, I think there's an energy, too, when you come up to people, because, like, you know, I, I'm not famous, and I but I go to an event and you know you have like I'll be at the cocktail reception or whatever and people walk up and the people who are just relaxed you know they just come up and like hey how are you doing Robin or whatever you can almost sense the tension of somebody coming up because they have like this weirdness and you just go oh they're gonna ask me something this is gonna be weird you know you can just you you can sense that
1: energy so well let me ask you you don't know you don't know where you today. You see, the yeah. trouble is, we do all of these things. We speak on stages, we do, but we don't know who is discovering us. I remember I did your last event and uh, a, a, a coaching uh, speakeasy member of mine by the name of Adam Raymer Brown. And I'm calling him out for a reason. He contacted me so excited that I was on your show. Okay, so excited. And I'm calling Adam Raymer Brown out now because two days ago, he got engaged. So Adam, congratulations, mate. Yeah, congratulations.
0: All right. Very cool.
1: There you go. But yeah, you never know who you're reaching.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, I think it's just being relaxed, not being weird, um, being, you know, like just being a a normal person, you know. um, I still think you should Mike, maybe go like, hey, can you look at this mole on my back?
1: (laughs) Is it pulsing? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, (laughs) It's just going bad.
0: Uh, sure. yeah. I want to fi- I want to video that I wanna, I just love to see that 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 shit go down.
1: That would be <laughs> just disarming. Actually, so that should that should be the kind of thing where you have to see if you can score with the worst line possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember when when I was it I was very good at, at repelling women as a young lad. But I remember we always used to try and go for the comedy route. You know, about like hey, grab your jacket, you pulled. You know, just simple things like you know stupid, and they would never work but you would do it. So never word once.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. So so Steve, uh, real quick. So with that, so we get people all the time, like you give
2: this and you've obviously done it a lot and, but it doesn't work every time. So what do you say to people? Like, how do you bounce back from that? What happens? When do you, how do you exit gracefully from a situation you just know is not going the way you want it to?
1: Well, quite simply exit it. You see, I'm The way I think is my attitude and I think is my tolerance. And believe it or not, I think, I think, and this is going to sound weird. I think introverts have an advantage over extroverts. Now, an extrovert wants to be the center of attention for being the center of attention. An introvert wants to be the center of attention for the benefit of their company, their book, their podcast, their productivity. Introverts tend to put themselves in that situation for it to move the needle. Okay. If it doesn't move the needle, they move away. Now, I can be loud and proud on a party or on a stage or something like that, but I'm an introvert. I want to be left alone. You know, I look like this because quite simply, most people I repel and they don't come and bother me. And I'm very happy about that. But when I step into a situation, if it's not going my way, I'll be like, all right, hey, you have a good night. And I'm gone. Okay. Because it's really not working. What you'll find is your exit. Needs to be as powerful as your entry. And there's been a number of times where I've gone, hey, clearly I'm bothering you. Don't worry about it. Have a fantastic night. And I go to walk away and they go, hey, I was being rude. Can I get you a drink? The amount of times I've been called back. But no, if you drag it on too long, so be prepared that, hey, it's not vibing. This is being forced. Hey, look, it's a party. I'm obviously disturbing you. Wish you all the best. Have a fantastic night. All the best. You'll be surprised how many times you'll get called back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you have to be, you have to kind of read people. But, you know, I was also thinking, like, there's a famous person you could say, you know what? I hated you and and name a movie they weren't in. <laughs> 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 <It's abysmal. laughs> it's like, I wasn't in that movie. Yeah. It sucked. It was horrible. And you were the worst actor in it, you know? So, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
2: no, <I> can... <laughs> no, Robin's going straight for the nagging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. them feel bad.
0: Welcome to <laughs> have I seen you in like and you just name a movie that they weren't ever in or so I don't know so um <laughs> you know you can, <laughs> if you mess with people it is it is what it is so
1: yeah um, yeah
0: yeah so tell me so like you, you, what do you you do mastermind groups today what what do you do to, what are you doing today you're
1: speaking you're writing oh, you're coaching wow yeah. so the the first book blue fishing came out and it wasn't supposed to be anything. I was knee deep in bluefish. I was doing a lot of concierge work. I was literally on a plane every single month for a couple of weeks a month. It was profitable, but very taxing on me. When I got the chance to do the book, I thought, that's funny. I've never read a book. Never ever thought I'd do a book. Yeah, I'll write a book. And here was the key that I think was my benefit. Uh, I'm not sure that if Simon Schuster are so happy about it, but I got paid, and the technical term is shit tons of money to write the book. And so by getting paid to write the book, you don't have to write a book to sell the book. And there's a different mindset. If you're trying to meet the mass market, you maybe could like soften down a couple of stories, not do that. Because you want to reach a wider audience because you need to make money on the sell. Because I got it all front end. I'm like, wait, I get to write my book. I get to talk about my aggravation. If two people buy it, great. If no one buys it, oh well. So I have that kind of mentality. Maybe that's not the best, and I'm so um, SNS are not too happy about the statement. Thankfully, because it was so raw, it did really well, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how well it did. Did it? People were like, "Hey, do you do you train? Do you coach?" And of course, I got more speaking gigs. I got, and and my life just changed. So. I started doing more and more, but one of the things that came out of it, which I really kind of um, didn't expect, which is one of my my big surprises, was me and you, Robin, we go to so many masterminds and conferences and summits, and you make your decision based on, this person's going to be here, this person's going to be here, this, and you know everything before you even pay. You literally look at it and you go, well, I know it's going to be at the San Diego Convention Center. I know Gary Vee's going to be there. I know Robin's going to be there. I know Steve Simms. Yes, I'm going to go. I'll buy the ticket. I wanted to go the other way. And I always like to try and push things. It's the little curious kid in me. I thought to myself, can I sell an event based on me and nothing else? So we put together and this is a true story because you'll know the guy when I mentioned his name, we put this event together and I just turned around and went, Hey, who would like to spend two days with me in San Diego? And there was a PayPal link, $2,000. And I did have the date on it. I think it was, yeah, it was July. And um, I suddenly got people buying it. Not a lot, like four people. Mm -hmm. And I phoned up the first one because it was a friend of mine and you know, the guy Tim Larkin. Mm -hmm. So I phoned up Tim and I went, you just signed up for this event. You know nothing about it. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know where it's going to be. You just know it's in San Diego on these two days. And I said to him, I went, what's your problem? Meaning, (laughs) are you mad? But, you know, when he heard it and we hear what we want to hear, when I said to him, what's your problem? He went, great question, Steve. I'm having trouble with this. And he told me what his problem was at that moment. So then I went to the next person of the four that I purchased. I went, hey, you just purchased a ticket. You don't know anything about the event, but I'd like to ask you, what is your problem today? And that got out there. All of a sudden, the event was there to solve a problem. It wasn't there because so-and-so was speaking. The sole purpose of the event was to solve your problem. So now what we do is we run these events. One person said to me one day, cause we didn't have a title. They said to me, God, this is like a speakeasy. You don't know where it's going to be, but you know that all the action's there. So it became the speakeasy. The next one's in LA in October. And we did that. We literally just tell you the location and I'm on about city, not even a block, mm-hmm. New York, Nashville, as you know. And then the date. I
0: didn't go to the Nashville one. I think it was, out oh. of, I was out of town. I think it, I, I mean, literally yeah. looked at it. I was out of, I was in another city. Yeah.
1: We had the head of the radio at the country radio uh, music association. Uh, we had a whole bunch of people in there. It was a really cool event, but we do all of these things um, to, to, to test what you're willing to do. And when people pay, they commit because they're not committed to seeing Gary V or you or me. They're committed to the event and it brings a different kind of um, emotion and vibe into the room. And what we do is as soon as you've signed up, we still contact you. Hey, you signed up for L.A. What is your problem today? And those have been doing really, really well. We max them out of 40 people. We always get really, really interesting cats in there. hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. I love that idea. I love the idea of just like a blindfold mastermind. You don't know who's going to mm-hmm. show up. You don't know where it's going to be, but it's someplace cool. Um, I, you and I've talked about this. I, I mean, yeah. I just, I, I love that idea. I'm just like, my, my, like, I have like, we're right in getting ready to like heavy, like we just had a little reprieve for about three weeks. And now um, starting next week, all the way through to November, I've got an event every week. So we're just like, you know, crazy. But I definitely would, I, I'd love to get to one of your events. You should come back to Nashville, make it easy. <laughs> all right? yeah. Have it on a Saturday or Sunday, because I'm usually not having events on those days. And I'm pretty sure I can make it, you know, can you make it convenient for me, please?
1: Just um, for you. Be a, be a speakeasy for one.
0: Yeah, you know, either that or, you know, I'm trying to, Kevin O'Leary is down in Miami. Um, I'm trying to get like a meeting with him, like down in Miami. Marcus Limonis is down there too. We had yeah. an event, you know, with Marcus Limonis and that was fantastic. Like he just ripped for like a half a day audience. It was no no agenda, just him kind of talking to people. It was phenomenal. Sometimes those unplanned events, if you get the right people in the room, are magical. I mean, I know that sounds so corny, but you know, it's magical. It's literally, the conversations that can you just happen, hit it. Yeah. And
1: that, there's the thing how many I, I had a friend of mine said to me, I'm going to throw a mastermind. And I went, Oh, tell me about it. And straight away, he went, I've got this auditorium. It's got 500 people, and I've got this happening, and I'm going to get this people. And I went, You're talking about the foundations. You're talking about the room. You're talking about the light in the AC. What's the event going to do to the person in it? Yeah. And when you said, you know, if you had, if you threw an event, let's say for example, I got a pub in East London and I had Elon Musk and uh, Jean Paul de Jouria in, in, the, in the pub and we just, we rifted for an entire day. Mm-hmm. Would that not be one of the greatest events? Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's in a pub. People worry too much. I've thrown events in the Bunny Ranch in Reno, in the Tesla plant in Fremont, in the Manny Chat headquarters, in a music studio in Los Angeles. I always try to find a quirky kind of location and yeah. make sure that my focus is not on a conference boring dullard room, but on the people inside it and what I'm going to trigger them with.
0: Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it really is. It's absolutely brilliant. As someone who goes to a lot of masterminds, goes to a lot of events, runs a lot of events, you know, you're right. I mean, even us, we kind of get stuck into this oh, like, we do. routine of here's what the event is. And, you know, we kind of get stuck in it because in a, in a sense, people that, well, where is it? When does it start? What's the agenda? Who's going to be there? You know, what does it cost? Where's the hotel? You know, it's all these things. So, But um, I
1: wonder, and I'm, I'm going to throw this Gordon at you, Robin, because I know you like a risk. Yeah. Um, how much is a ticket to your event?
0: Depends on which one it is. I mean what's the most
1: expensive?
0: From, no, hundred anywhere from hundred bucks to
1: three thousand. To three. Th- I like bet the, you. The best,
0: then we've got like other That's training fine. sessions. But yeah, yeah. All right.
1: So you've got a three grand ticket. Okay. I wonder if you turned around and said, I am doing an exclusive event in Nashville, five thousand dollars per person, everyone that registers will be interviewed before acceptance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: wonder how many people you would actually get. And then if you got 20 people at that price, then you get a location for 20 people and you host an intimate event. But I think you've got enough power and, and credibility to do it. The downside is people are terrified about doing that because most people, not me and you, because we know we're pretty awesome, mm-hmm. but most people are terrified of challenging their own credibility to the tribe they're serving.
0: Yeah. Well, we are doing a, an event with Robert Urshabek. I got him to agree to let me bring a small group to his office. Um, cause he's a cybersecurity company. It's in Kansas city. So we're, we are doing a couple, like we did the event with Marcus Lamonas. We did this with Robert. I'm trying to get something going with Kevin down in Miami. Cause he has, he, he's, a, a, he's still a Canadian resident, but he has a, yeah. he has an office down in Miami. So we're trying to get things going like that. But, uh, you know, and those, those kind of events, you know, but you're right. Is it like, if it was me, I didn't say, Hey, we're going to have Marcus Limonis or well, O'Leary yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, that might be cool. So, so talk a little bit. So I want to also kind of talk to you a little bit about the experiences because I know people are, you know, we're getting close to the top of the hour here, but like, what are you, what are some of the coolest experiences either you created for yourself or for a client?
1: So I'm boring. My, my greatest experience is when I can get back from my meeting tonight and open up a, a good bottle of whiskey and do myself an old-fashioned. That's the experience I'm looking for. But I tend to look at someone and I look at them for two reasons. One of them, what growth can I get out of this person? That's why I like working with billionaires. You're the head of something massive. I want to get into your brain cells or I want to get into your referral link. The second thing I want to do is I want to exceed your expectations. So what are you looking for and how can I take it further? So for argument's sake, the client that I opened up the academia, the Galleria in Florence for, and had the dinner party of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and then had an Andre Bocelli, He asked me for a dining experience. I could have literally sent him away for a pasta making course and then sat him down at a beautiful restaurant and then paid the chef 500 bucks to come out and, ask him if he's okay and, you know, make him look good and get a selfie. That would have done it for him, but not for me. So I always try to go above and beyond. Um, As you know, Dan Fitzpatrick wanted to meet the rock band journey. I put him on stage with him. He sang three tunes live on stage in San Diego with, and he's now deemed as the shortest term lead singer of the rock band journey. Um, (laughs) I had a client of mine that wanted to learn how to play drums So I introduced him to Matt Sorum, the current drummer of Guns N' Roses, who took him to a studio and taught him how to play drums. I had another client from Australia, wanted to play classic rock. I introduced him to Billy Gibbons and Billy Gibbons taught him how to play um, a guitar rift in his bus at the backstage of one of the uh, concerts and then watched the concert from the side. And at the end of it, gave him a guitar. So I always try to see how far I can take the original request
0: yeah no i I just had a curiosity how much did it cost to get that dinner in italy in the museum with andrea bocelli how much did that cost
1: never say i never (laughs) i never i never repeat i never repeat sometimes sometimes it's actually in the contract sometimes in the contract the person i'm getting we're actually not allowed to actually mention her because they don't want to be prostituted they don't want to be a case of hey i see your four hundred dollars you know would yeah. you do it for 350? They don't want those conversations, so yeah. we never discuss it. It was certainly, it was certainly a, a, a nice deposit for a house.
0: Oh, I bet. <laughs> I mean, like, I just think about it, it's just like, what does it take, you know? And it's um, you know, but
1: it's, it's, that's like, a good point. That's a very good point. The easiest way to repel a celebrity, an authority, or someone in power. Is to come at them with a price tag i was right, actually or here's what i'll tell you right
0: now or not want to pay them
1: because
0: i i get that i get that all the time hey robin we want to have you come speak blah, blah, blah. and I always hear people out because you never know there could be an opportunity <laughs> but oh you know we can't pay you to do it and uh like mike Rowe, for example is somebody that we've had at our event and mike Rowe gets demands all the time And, um, you know, and we had him on our bed. He's phenomenal. Um, And, you know, I'm keeping a line open to Mike Rowe because I want him to come back. I want him to talk about his new, um, you know, he's got this sweat pledge, but he's also got this um, sort of an honor code like system for working. And he's kind of trying to get it in the universities. And I said, why don't you get it into corporate America? Because people like me run a business would love to have Someone to teach the work ethic, you know what I mean, is a course. And uh, I said, Look, when you're ready to roll this out with corporate America, I'll be your first guinea pig and I'll make it work, right? That's the key. And, and he, they kind of came back and they're like, Well, we're not doing this for free. And I'm like, No, no, I'll pay for it, you know. But, it, you know, when I've talked to people, everybody's trying to get something for free, you know. And I think that's the other thing. If you're going to want, if you come at it with, I'm willing to pay your fee and maybe there's a way you can negotiate off that or, but don't go in trying to ask for something for nothing. I think that's the, that's the thing.
1: Again, right at the beginning, barbecue game, what can you bring to the party? It may be a check. It may be a donation to that charity. It may be exposure for that charity. It may be exposure for that book, but you've always got to come with a value.
0: Right, right. Exactly. Very cool. All right. So Mike, what other questions do we have? I'm not like really paying attention. Is there any other questions we should ask Steve while we got them?
2: So there aren't so many questions right now. So if you are listening, type in a question. But t- just talking about the bringing to a party, um, heard a, heard a joke recently and uh, Old Rancher hires this young ranch hand. At the end of the first day, young ranch hand did a great job, and he says, hey, I'm having a party on Saturday. There's going to be lots of sex and drugs and rock and roll. Ranch hand, typical guy, says, what should I wear? Old rancher says, doesn't matter. It's just going to be you and me. So.
1: <laughs> nice one. Nice one.
0: Exactly right. All right. Well, yeah. tell, tell us about your new book, Go for Stupid. I want to hear about what this book is. Why did you write it? What is it? Yeah, give us a little preview, because you're going to have it released in October.
1: Yeah, I got angry. Uh, Isn't it amazing how much stuff we do when we get aggravated? And I was getting really, really pissed off, especially because of COVID, how we were growing into an incredible gotcha society, how it's a case of we want to look at what you're doing, then we want to pick it apart, take that nugget out and make you sound ignorant, stupid, racist, rude, you know, just something. So because of that gotcha society, So many of us now are not doing anything. I had a friend of mine the other day who's an extrovert and he was going to a party. And I said to him the day after, how was the party? He said, I didn't go. And I said, why not? You love a party. He said it was fancy dress. And I said, well, why didn't you go? He said, I didn't know who I was going to offend by turning up. So I couldn't risk it. We're so scared now of what we do because not because of doing it, of other people ridicule and laughing at us. And today, a lot of people won't try to go for the goals that they want, whether it be business, whether it be relationships, whether it be in personal growth for fear, not of failing, but of other people seeing it. And so I realized when I was like in the world I was with Jeff Bezos, don't, couldn't give a shit. You're laughing at him. Elon Musk can't hear you. Yeah, Richard Branson doesn't even know your name. They don't care. And so they go out with these amazing, ridiculous, stupid goals and then stand a chance of achieving them. So I wrote the book based on how I managed to get a lot of things done by just going for stupid and not listening to the white noise. And then the lessons I've learned from other people. And I even go into uh, old past stuff that is now just we couldn't live without that at the time was ridiculed. You know, Henry Ford was blasted that the idea of a car was ridiculous. You know, the idea of using coffee for a drink, people tried to ban. You know, all of these kind of things is just stupid. That If someone didn't keep pushing, knowing what the vision was going to be, and actually listen to the idiots, mm-hmm. it would have never got off the ground. So I wrote the whole book around how to go for stupid goals, how to set them, and the art of actually achieving these ridiculous goals, like I have.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great topic, and you're right. I think it's, I was just commenting this to, we had a client coaches call, and I know some of them are, are watching somewhere online, and I, you know, I was saying, you know, I, it, ever since, it's, it's been kind of building, but COVID really kind of made it, it seems like everybody's just angry and pissed off, and yep. no matter what you do, um, there's people that, the people who bubble up are the ones who, with the hatred, and you're, you know, they want to take you down, You know, and I think it's there, you know, the thing, the reality is it's usually a really small percentage of people, but they're really fucking noisy and they're on every social media platform and they're everywhere. That's like their life journey is to be grumpy about and pissed off about something. You know, most people like, you know, they're happy, they're productive. They like you, they like your idea. They just, I don't know. We, It's like as a society, it's a sad commentary, but we feel as though like we like something. I mean, you know, Facebook has the like, you know, we'll, we'll hit the like. But if we hate something, it's like we're going to write a fucking paragraph about how you're an idiot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, like think versus... I got to tell you why you're a moron and why you're stupid. So I love that you're doing that because I think we do need more people to be able to. And it's tough. I mean, don't you feel it's tough, though, to stand up against that? I mean, we always say, oh, don't listen to them. But it's hard not to when you're when you're looking on Facebook or you get emails or you get and this hate's coming in. I mean. How do, how do you overcome... I mean, you don't have that. I, I can't imagine people not liking you. But I mean, like... So, oh, I
1: get it a lot. I get people saying really, to me, you know... I mean, I mean, that sincerely. Like, do you really get that a lot? I do. I do. I, I get both mail and email. And every time something's reported with me hanging around with someone, uh, they'll turn around and they're like, how how do you sleep at night when these people are making so much money? And I'm like, absolutely fine on a bed of feathers. You know, it's just... It, I just laugh at it but the point is there's this old saying about be so successful you have haters the downside is those people don't bother me the people that bother me were usually those ones closest to you yeah those people that you start talking about your goal your dream your aspiration and again it's your little circle of five and you get one of those go really robin you're gonna do that are you sit don't be silly girl and The trouble is you stand the risk then of diluting your standards to meet theirs. Mm -hmm. Most people laugh at you, not because it's a ridiculous idea, but are scared that you're going to achieve it and to validate that they're inadequate. That's usually the problem. So Mm -hmm. now today's we have to just keep going forward. That white noise, you've got to look at it and go, you couldn't afford me in any case. So why should I be listening to you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, I, it's like something, you know, great, everybody grapples with. And I love this topic that how do you stick to be true to yourself? You know, like, we, I get on here and I'm drinking. I say stupid shit. Like, you know, oh, i oh, yeah, like, talking Every to, single Reba, time. to Reba McIntyre, ask her for a tampon. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. And I know I'm going to get an email. I was like, just trying to get Mike to do that. But you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a ridiculous idea. But I'm just, you know, that look, it's, you can't be on stage as much, much as I am or in video or like you, you can't and, and, and be fake. Right. No, and, no. So, and you're also going to say stuff that's stupid from time to time. It's like, we can't walk around with a constant filter or you're not authentic. Right. So everybody says be your authentic self. And then when you are, everybody like criticizes you for it. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah.
1: I think, I think that's a word that we need, yeah. we need to get a handle on this authenticity. Yeah. The, 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 the fact that people try to be authentic, okay the key is to try to stop being everything else you know if you shed all of the shiny the pretty how many people go and go onto a video and they're worried about what their hair looks like what their outfit looks like gives a shit if your content's crap it's crap if your content can help someone now you're an asset so, yeah. stop trying to worry about this authenticity. Stop, stop trying to worry about being your true self. Start focusing on what you say helps someone. You are a solution to someone else's problem. Then you become that asset. Absolutely. So,
0: if people want to learn more about you, Steve, where do they go? Do they go online? Where, where yeah, they, go? they
1: jump over. I'm Steve D. Sims absolutely everywhere. So, if you want to kind of like stalk me on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere that you get your media, Steve D. Sims. If you jump on stevedsims.com and register, you'll be one of the first to know when this phenomenal book comes out. And you need to get the book because inside the book is a really cool little QR code that you're going to want to scan to see a cool video before you read the rest of the book.
0: Okay. And I want, how does someone get on your list? Like, if like to do those like mastermind, like if I wanted to be on that list and get that, that, where do I
1: go? So the easiest way to do it is to text the word Sims, S. I M S. Okay. To three, three, seven, seven, seven. That's the word Sims to three, three, seven, seven, seven. And if you're outside of the U S cause that only works in the U S then just go to Steve and subscribe to the newsletter. But the best route is definitely through my text.
0: OK, I'm going to sign up for that. I think I mean, I think you email me. I kind of follow you, but I, I'm going to sign up for that to that text. And I see Mike just posted on the chat. So, yeah, maybe I'll see one of you guys there if I'll, you know, we'll go to one. If you have one in Nashville, provided I'm like not in another city somewhere at the time, <laughs> you know, because clients kind of get grumpy when I sell them a seminar and don't show up for it. Then so. you're not there.
1: Yeah, no, they I can see they can get a little bit pissy about that.
0: Yeah, you know, although Mike does a good job. I could substitute. He just put a red wig on. They wouldn't know the difference. So yeah. you shave, Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe.
2: <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, my friend Reba kind of looks like you. And yeah. uh, we just got to get her a nice chair to sit on. We're, we're hey, go. A couple tampons.
1: Yep. Yeah, It'll be fun.
0: <laughs> let's get Reba. That's everyone's going to remember this episode by that. Sorry, Steve. I like to completely <laughs> the tampon um, episode. Um, but uh, no, but we could, you know, Mike. Maybe if I tell everyone I was transitioning, I, I identify as a, as a you know a, a Mike. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe we can. It can
1: be done. It can be done.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, you are an amazing human being. I am Thank you. like honored to. I mean that sincerely. You're just such an interesting person, and I always feel better after talking to you. I just feel more inspired and. Um, you know, and you're just like a fun dude. I mean, just to know and be around. So I would recommend everybody who's watching this, definitely get on that list, get to one of his events. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just you just never know where that path might lead you, who you might meet.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks for yourself. Look out for yourself, Mike. Thank you very much. And good luck with me with the tampons.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> good Lord. All right. I think we're done. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye everybody. All right.